bless those whose lives are closely linked with ours. I think as that video helps remind us, um, those who are linked with us uh, in, includes everyone. And uh, we're gonna be talking about that today a little bit in just a moment. First, as some of you are already doing, thanks for turning your videos back on. This is, I appreciate seeing your faces, knowing whether you're asleep, or you're, are you tracking with me, you know, these sorts of things. Um, and there'll be some, some opportunity for some interaction here as we go along. Uh, so, you know, in the last 20 years or so, um, our family has tackled a number of home improvement projects. And there's one principle of home renovation uh, that's taken me a long time to fully appreciate. And, and it's this, that a, a truly beautiful and lasting renovation won't happen unless you do the prep work of the project. You know, when you walk into a, a newly renovated bathroom, let's say, and it's a tiled floor, they're tiled walls, perhaps tiled showers, everyone oohs and ahs at the, at the tile, the color, the pattern. That's what gets all of the attention and understandably so. But if you're the one who's laid the tile, you know that the only reason that the tile looks great is because of hours and hours and hours of work that was done before a single tile was ever put down. And everyone looks at the tile, but no one talks about the demo of the old wall or the leveling out of the floor or the replacement of some of the beams or the laying of the backer board. And yet, if you don't do that work, uh, the floor will be uneven, the lines uh, unequal, the tiles will crack, the renovation won't last. Well, every person I have ever met wants a life of purpose and meaning. We want to be people who are a part of something bigger than ourselves, who dare to participate in the remaking of the world. And we want to be deeply connected to each other, right? Our hope is to have relationships that give us life and empower others to live. We don't wanna spend our lives hiding or covering up who we really are. We want to be free and brave. We want to belong and we want to be loved. But that kind of life doesn't come by just slapping on some paint. Uh, that kind of life uh, takes more than just touching up the cosmetics. To enter into that kind of life, you and I have to be open to a renovation of everything under the surface. We must be willing to go deep and to have a light shined in the corners of our lives. And really, this is the kind of renovation that we've been talking about the last month or so. Uh, we've talked about things like being vulnerable, choosing uncertainty, risking emotional exposure, and closely linked to that, the idea of showing up as we are, not, not more than we are, not less than we are, but showing up as we are, as fully as we can, and when we do that, we're probably going to have to recognize and name 
shame's voice, the thing that it is telling us and whispering to us in our ear. Um, and if we do those things, right, as we've talked about, we may be able to then have the capacity to move in toward those that we disagree with. We might have the capacity to choose relationship over being right. So in this last month, just to be clear, we've covered vulnerability, authenticity, identity, and humility. All pieces of cake, right? All cosmic or cosmetic, cosmic, yeah, but cosmetic level things, right? There's my tongue in cheek sarcasm. And, you know, these are, no, these are not surface level touch-ups, right? Um, humility and authenticity and vulnerability and our identity, these are the these are the things that form the very foundation of who we become. They're the life that we are all hoping for. Now here's some good news. As challenging as these things might be, we don't have to pursue them alone. In fact, I actually don't think we can pursue these things alone. I don't think it's in the end possible to face shame as an example by yourself. There might be some work for you to do on your own, but eventually you're going to need the help of a trusted friend or a therapist or a partner who can help you sort out that voice and embrace instead what is actually true about who you are. That is hard work. Shame's voice is strong and loud. And so we're gonna need some help. And I think that's true of the other pieces too, our identity, authenticity, vulnerability. We need each other. And when you read the Bible, I'm not sure there are, are many messages more compelling or consistent than that one, that we need each other. This life that we all long for, it cannot be lived alone. We get a really clear sense of this in a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Maybe uh, it could be considered one of the, the clearest passages that speaks about this. And so we're going to read a fair chunk of it here together, starting in verse 12 of chapter 12. The text says this, the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. I mean, if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, well, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where God wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body 
the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. The eye can not say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And yet this is often what we do, isn't it? Often what we say. Sometimes actually we say these very words out loud, although that's probably more rare. Probably what happens is that there's an internal conversation going on where we say to ourselves about the person that we're thinking about or the, the person who's offered us some help, or the person who's asked us how we're really doing. There's this internal conversation that happens in which we say to ourselves, I don't need them. It can be hard to admit that we need each other. This is true whether you're talking about someone you don't like or someone you do. In both situations, it can be quite challenging to say, I need you. I thought might we, we might think for a moment here uh, and, and have a bit of a conversation in that chat window about this question here. Why is it so hard? What is it that keeps us from living interdependent lives? What, what is it that keeps us from saying to each other, I, I do need you? What do you think? We'd love to have you put a thought or two in the chat window. Yeah, fear, for sure. Sarah, thanks. Elliot, thanks. Yeah, Amy, we are. This is the, the water we drink in this culture that we are in. A culture really built on fierce independence, right? Yeah, it's the American way of life. It is. Yep. Yeah, someone else's gifts, we're maybe jealous of them. And that jealousy can keep us from leaning in toward them, right? Instead, we lean away. Yeah, there's some more of that American, you know, uh, fierce individualism, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Abby, I appreciate that. It's not only all the stuff we has been mentioned, but it, it is also the reality that sometimes when we are vulnerable and when we do take the risk, we get hurt. And that hurt and pain, maybe betrayal we've experienced can keep us from trusting people in the future. Yeah. Busyness, we, we better name that. That's another part of our American uh, culture, I, I would say it's one, one outcome of it anyway, that we are running around like mad 
and we don't have time for other people or so we say yeah these are big obstacles right um including some of these that are still coming in the chat window and feel free to to keep them coming Paul, uh, the author here of this chapter that we're reading in 1 Corinthians, I think names a few things or alludes to a few things, and some of them are some of the same ideas that you've already communicated. One is pride, right? Verse 21 is very prideful. I don't need you. It's the rugged individualism. It's the self-sufficiency, right? Um, I don't need you because I can do it myself, that certainly is present in our world today. So is arrogance, which is slightly different than pride. They're, they're cousins, but they're different. Arrogance is I am better than you. Not, not just that I don't need you because I can be self-sufficient, but I'm actually better than you are, right? Paul says, baloney, you know, if you think that uh, you as an I are oh so important, imagine a body of only eyes. That doesn't really work all that well. And he says, there are some parts that are considered weakest, Paul's tongue in cheek here, or least important, and they're actually the most necessary. So if you're one of the people who thinks that you're the most important, ah, you're the, the beautiful eye or the incredible hand, ah, good for you. That's great. We need those things. But um, try, try messing with your inner ear for a moment and see if you can even stand up, you know. Uh, take out that gross liver and see how long you make it, right? Um, so there's there's this danger of arrogance. And then as someone had named very directly fear and shame, right? And I think as Abby had said, this pain that can come too when we do take the risk. But if the foot should say, hey, I'm, I'm not a hand. This is shame talking. I'm not a hand. I, I don't belong to the body. That's shame, right? You're not worthy of belonging because you're not a hand. You're not worthy because you're not that kind of person or you don't have that kind of giftedness or that kind of personality. And this is shame talking and Paul identifies it here. Right? Feet saying that they're not good enough, that they don't belong. things, pride, arrogance, fear, shame, busyness, jealousy, perceived weakness, all these things that you all are naming, they can keep us from living the kind of life that actually we all want to live. <laughs> Again, I haven't met anyone who's like, I've met lots of really introverted people who don't need a great deal of uh, like intense community or large gatherings, but I've never met anyone. I'm sure they're out there, but I've never met anyone who doesn't need another person to be themselves, who doesn't need the strength of another from time to time, the perspective of another, the gifts of another, the care of another. So these things keep us from that kind of life. And so I want to actually just pause here kind of in the middle of this, this sermon and, and just consider two words together. One is confession and the other is repentance. 
two words I think have a lot of baggage um, in in Christian circles. But confession, really, at its at its best and in its intended use, is is simply an acknowledgement of what is true. Confession is an honesty um, about where you actually are and how you are actually feeling or or being or doing in the world. And then a repentance is an a desire to turn in a different direction, to move in a different direction. Confession has nothing to do with shame, nothing to do with shame. It does not say that you are bad or you are terrible or you're the worst. No, it's just simply an honest acknowledgement of what is. And so I want to pause here and just give you and me a moment to ask what I might need to acknowledge. How would you fill in this blank? And it may be one of the things we talked about, pride, fear, shame. But when you think about your relationships, your connection to other people, when you think about living a kind of life where, where you say, I need you, what, what maybe needs to be acknowledged this morning? Now, let's just take a moment and pause and consider together. Um, what would you put in the blank? And this is, by the way, just to be clear, not for you to put in the chat window. You, you could. I think this is a space that could hold a confession if you wanted to do that. But my intention here really is for you to, to use this moment here to be self-reflective. Maybe talk with uh, someone if you have someone with you right now, if that would be helpful. But let's just take about 60, 90 seconds here to pause and really ask, God, what do I need to acknowledge about my relationships, about the way that I'm living in community or not? What needs to be honestly named here this morning? Again, confession is not about heaping a bunch of shame on top of us, but it is about saying honestly where we are at this moment in time, how we're doing or not doing. And hopefully in that there's a bit of freedom. You know, for me, what comes to my mind immediately in that blank is fear. In my relationships, I'm there's always an underlying fear that you are not going to like me or think I'm wonderful. Um, and so, so much of my 
the way I move in the world is to try and manage that fear and to do what I can to make sure that you really think I'm amazing. I'm in Enneagram three, if that helps any of you. And um, that that's kind of just always there for me. I have to keep acknowledging that. I have to be honest about that. Um, we'll get to the repentance part here in a moment because confession is just the first step. But first, let me say a few things uh, about what else this passage says. See, when we, when we are willing to acknowledge what's true and then say, okay, I want to live a life where kind of my mantra is, I, I need you. I need you. When we do that, some things happen. One, we begin to belong to something larger than us, right? The human body, even though it's just one, it has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. This passage is crazy. It's like loco, crazy, off your rocker, you know, woohoo. Because what, what's being said here is that Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, Paul says in other places, men and women, right? These categories that society and religion had created to keep people separated, uh, those, those distinctions break down in the body of Christ. God is up to something very big and wildly inclusive. So when we pledge ourselves to the way of Jesus, when we say and live with this idea of, I, I do need you, it's then that we become a part of an expansive and beautiful family that Jesus is creating. We're not trapped any longer uh, by these divisions that we or our society make, and we're not reduced to just our tribe, our little circle. And this is what's happening in our world. Our worlds are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Instead, when we say, I need you, and we live that out, we become participants in Christ's work of creating a new humanity. We belong to something much larger than us. We also have the opportunity to make our unique contribution. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, thank God that we are not all a bunch of eyes. Thank God that you don't see the world exactly as I do. Thank God that you bring gifts and experiences and perspective that I don't have. Thank God. It's not just that you have something different to offer the world. That's not the whole message. The whole message is that you bring something unique to the world and I need what you have. I need who you are. I can't be all of me uh, without you. Without you, we can't uh, smell, so to speak the roses, you know, we can't move forward and meet the challenges in front of us. Without you, we, we don't laugh as fully or know compassion as deeply. We need you. 
and I need you. So we belong to something far bigger than us and we make a contribution to that new family that Christ is creating and we find care and connection. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. I think we miss something if we think that Jesus is just bringing us all together so that we can kind of tolerate each other. There's something much more happening. Authenticity and humility. It becomes possible to care for each other in such a way that when you suffer, so do I. I feel your pain. I know it too. And when there is something to celebrate and to honor, we all do it together. We all share in that joy. God isn't tweaking humanity around the edges, but through Christ, God has invited us into a brand new remaking of humanity. And it begins perhaps by saying, So we talked about confession being this acknowledgement of what is true. Repentance is then saying, well, this is where I am. I would actually like to move in a different direction. I'm going this way and I can see if I'm, if I pause for a moment and I'm honest, I can see where that's headed. And I want to, I want to head in a different direction. That's what repentance is. But repentance requires that we take some steps that we actually move. And so to close this morning, a couple of questions. What does it mean for you to not just say, I need you, but to actually live it? Not just pay lip service to this idea, but actually embody it. And what would a step look like to move you closer to that kind of life? And so God, we've acknowledged whatever it is in our life that needed to be acknowledged. Help me to, how would you fill in this blank? Help me to make space for the person I disagree with. Help me to see my enemy with new eyes. Help me to have compassion for the person that I've grown tired of. Help me to have patience for the person who's trying. How would you fill in this blank this morning? I wanna give you a few moments to consider that. And then we'll move into communion together.
God, give us the courage to be honest about where we are today and tomorrow and next week. Give us courage to be honest. And then give us clarity about what what you may be asking us to do, what opportunities are in front of us, what, what it would look like to move in a different direction so that we might, in fact, experience life in this new family that you are creating. We pray this in Jesus' name, through whom this is, this is possible. Amen.